Hey, welcome. It is uh, 9.07. Glad to have you with us. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be with us uh, shortly. And then my favorite economist, uh, who's going to come on and, and uh, talk about, it looks like they're going to go with higher interest rates. They have to. You cannot get You cannot get the inflation rate down until you get the interest rate up to at least the same uh, level as uh, the inflation rate. Uh, the the recession, I think, is eminent. Anyway, we'll we'll chat about that a little later on. But right now, the Epic Times on board with us this morning. Matthew Vadim is with us, and uh, it is without a doubt the best daily newspaper you can get. Uh, and Matthew, uh, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? Good to be here. Supreme Court may back out of a ruling on the doctrine empowering state legislatures to regulate elections. Uh, a story that uh, you have uh, at, at uh, one of many, by the way, at the Epic Times. What are they? What does this yeah. mean? Well, there's a case um, about the. Um, there's a challenge to um, uh, that the North Carolina Speaker uh, Tim Moore put in. Uh, challenging the uh, North Carolina, uh, challenging the North Carolina Supreme Court's rejection of the state electoral map, you know, the, the redistricting, and um, he's saying that the independent state legislature doctrine should apply, and that's the idea that the Constitution spells out how um, gives preeminent authority to state legislatures to set the rules for for federal elections. And um, it looks like the Supreme Court is considering backing out of the case because the North Carolina Supreme Court um, has said it will reconsider um, the the underlying case that 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 caused the um, appeal to go to the, the U.S. Supreme Court. Are you following me? It's a little complicated. So the the Constitution gives all the authority to the state, right? On elections, gives the authority to the gives the, the the authority to the state to set the rules for federal elections taking place in the states. That's right. So if the state Supreme Court uh, decides to rehear this, it becomes moot and the Supreme Court doesn't get involved. It becomes moot if the, if the Supreme Court um, of North Carolina resolves the, the case, I guess, in the, in the speaker's favor. Uh, it's not clear that that's going to happen, but they are going to sometime uh, later this month um, re- rehear the case. And now there is a Republican majority on the North Carolina Supreme Court that could be sympathetic to, the, to Speaker Tim Moore's case, uh, whereas before there was a Democratic majority um, just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, that um, was hostile. Um, to the to the Republican position. So, if the state Supreme Court rehears this, it's moot and it doesn't affect anything in the rest of the country. It only affects the state court and that state. If the Supreme Court does hear the case, will this have an effect on any other states or all of the states? It could have a profound effect on all of the states because the Supreme Court. If it rules the way that that North Carolina House Speaker uh, Tim Moore wants it to, uh, could give um, state legislatures the the leading role in how 
uh, redistricting is done without the interference of state judges. You see, the problem is, according to Moore and, and his supporters, state judges are acting unconstitutionally when they interfere with um, with redistricting, when they issue orders, you know, saying that this this district and you know district was was racially gerrymandered or, or what have you. Um, that the state courts should not be allowed to do that is their argument. It'll be interesting to see how this unfolds, and I guess we have to wait for the state uh, state Supreme Court to uh, to rehear this. Uh, do you have any idea what the timetable is? Well, late, later this month, I think it's going to happen next week. Um, um, it's just going to happen mid-month. Um, they're going to rehear the case. Now, how long they take to decide it? Um, is anyone's guess. Um, the thing is, though, the U.S. Supreme Court already heard the case on December 7th, a few months ago. Um, so they're just sitting around, you know, waiting to make a decision. And, you know, the question is whether they're going to come out with a decision or whether they're going to do what courts typically do, which is look for an excuse not to make a decision because they don't want to make a decision unless they have to. Uh, I'm just curious. Courts are kind of cowardly like that. It's built into <laughs> the system. Well, I'm I'm curious. I know it's difficult to tell uh, from the interrogatories between the Supreme Court and everybody there uh, how it's going to work out. But do you have any indication, any feeling from uh, the the Q and A that went back and forth at the Supreme Court when it was heard? Well, the 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 the. the um, uh, the conservative majority was sympathetic to um, Speaker Moore and North, North Carolina Republicans and seemed to want to do something um, to help their side. That's the impression that I got from the oral arguments back in, in December. Um, they, they seem to think that the, the, the part of the Constitution that they're citing is, um, that deals with this uh, provision of power to the to state legislatures is is long neglected and should be um, and should be revived. Now, you know, just because they, they're sympathetic doesn't mean they're going to give the guy everything that he wants. Maybe they'll just put some curbs on when state judges could, you know, could intervene in um, in in the redistricting process. We don't we don't know what they're going to do. Um, the left is absolutely hysterical. Uh, about this case, just apoplectic, saying that it's the end of potentially the end of the world. So, you know, when they're when they're upset about something, chances are um, something good is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything is the end of the world to the left. If you just turn the radio on, Matthew Vadim with us from the Epic Times, uh, covering uh, the courts, uh, and uh, we've got another case on the table here. The Supreme Court sided you right with atheists on March 6th when it decided not to hear an appeal by a Florida city that sought to halt a lawsuit over a city-sponsored prayer vigil. Details? That's right. That's right. There was some, um, this was March 6th, the Supreme Court sided with the offended atheists um, in deciding not to hear the case. The case what came out of in Ocala, Florida, there was uh, either some violence against children or drive-by shooting or something like that. And um, 
community leaders said, let's uh, have a prayer vigil to, so we can come together as a community to try to heal. And um, the members of the American Humanist Association, an, an atheist group, were uh, wanted to participate in this event, but said they were offended because it was all prayers and they didn't want to pray. So they sued, <coughs> excuse me, they sued Ocala, Florida, and um, and uh, said that this, you know, is violating the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. And um, the city lost in court, and the city appealed uh, w- uh, with the assistance of uh, American Center for Law and Justice, and is um, and was arguing that that they should be allowed to do a prayer vigil to promote, um, you know, public healing after the uh, after the the the, uh, the, the violence. And um, the Supreme Court said we we don't want to we don't want to take this case and turned uh, said they're not going to hear the appeal, um, which was surprising to me. You know, after they made the ruling about Coach Kennedy uh, in Washington State, that's the uh, ruling from um, June of 2022 that the football coach it was okay to him have to have prayers um, at the 50 yard line um, after games. Um, and that, that that was not, you know, imposing religion. That was not uh, a violation of the Establishment Clause and the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. So, and yet, here the Supreme Court took a pass, and the only justice to object was Justice Clarence Thomas, who said it's time to look at this thing called the offended observer theory of standing, that, that you have... All you have to do is be an offended observer in order to launch a challenge under the Establishment Act and uh, in court. And and he thought that you know we need we need to look at this case. So so he objected to that. Um, and uh, uh, Neil Gorsuch, Justice Neil Gorsuch, also said that the court is you know going to have to deal with the offended observer um, um, claim, the argument at some point regarding establishment clause cases, but he didn't think that the court, he didn't actually file a dissent. He didn't think the court should take up the case because um, it's still pending in the lower courts. So he said that, the, you know, the, 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 these people could, could always come back to the Supreme Court in the future if they needed to. Gorsuch, with that. Gorsuch has turned into my favorite Supreme Court justice. Matthew, uh, you've got a couple of other stories we're not going to have time to get to, including a Christian postal worker was pushed out for demanding Sunday work exemption. Um, people can uh, find uh, the, your uh, your columns at uh, the Epic Times, and uh, it is theepictimes.com, Matthew Vadim. Matthew, thank you for being with us this morning. Happy to be here. Have me back anytime, Gary. All right, take care. Matthew Vadim, uh, the Epic Times on the Gary Nolan Show. Murders of Americans in Mexico fuel calls for U.S. to treat cartels as terrorist targets. You're not going to like who's really responsible for this, but I'm going to share it with you next. Then Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be with us about 9.35 on the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. Good morning. It is uh, 22 minutes after 9 o'clock. Glad to have you with us on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, 874-9390 is the local number, 800-529-5572. Uh, for those of you who don't live uh, in Columbia. And uh, you can also go to GaryNolan.com.
Com. Send me a message there. It will pop up in studio. Coming up, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be on board. Yesterday, a federal judge in Kansas City uh, decided that our Second Amendment Preservation Act was not constitutional. I'm going to find out from uh, Secretary Ashcroft whether he knows uh, what the Attorney General's plans are. But we pretty much think he's going to appeal it. Uh, and put a stay on the uh, Obama-appointed judge from Kansas City uh, in, in his uh, position on Second Amendment. So we'll do that uh, in a few minutes. Also, uh, the Missouri economy uh, and protecting the family farm, among other things. We will check in with Secretary Ashcroft about 9.35. In the meantime, uh, everybody is talking about this... Uh, murder in Mexico. Uh, this woman apparently was going down there for a tummy tuck uh, and they were uh, well, two of them were murdered. Uh, they were kidnapped and murdered and everybody is talking about this. It is an ugly story, but I'm going to tell you as I've told you before the reason this happened, the reason that this is going on is the war on drugs. If anybody is responsible for those murders, if anybody is responsible for the fentanyl, it is those people who insist on protecting people from their own behavior with the war on drugs. You eliminate the war on drugs, those, those two men are alive. That's, that's just the ugly truth. And I don't know how to convince people. I really don't know how to convince people. I talk about how they have uh, uh, turf wars for illegal drugs and innocent people get killed. This is a perfect example. If somebody wants to use drugs, they should legally be allowed to use drugs. And if they harm themselves, well, that's, you know, that's the, uh, the consequence for their behavior. If they decide to eat refined carbohydrates and clog their arteries and die prematurely, we don't say, gee, we're, we're going to have to arrest people who use sugar. Why do we think we have the right to arrest people for using drugs? And how did this country survive when we didn't have these drug laws? I, and, and I sympathize with you drug warriors because I used to be one of you. But the more I learn about it, the more I realize how wrong it is. Government shouldn't have had any influence on people's behavior unless they're actually taking away someone else's rights. This, this, you know, and I watch the Republicans and the Democrats all yim and yaw and holler and scream uh, oh, gee, the, the uh, fentanyl crisis is killing Americans. Well, China wouldn't be sending fentanyl here if people could go into a drugstore and get what they wanted. And there wouldn't have been this mistaken identity in Mexico that resulted in these two people dying. And this happens all the time. I mean, look at what's going on in Mexico because of our war on drugs. Those cartels go broke when you legalize drugs. 
I, I, I'm not going to, you know, just harp on this forever. I'm going to move on. But I'm just telling you, it is, it is a problem that we have created. 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. There is, by the way, a study on, uh, well, we're talking about drugs. I'll do this very quickly. Uh, it becomes clear that medical marijuana laws aren't driving an epidemic of marijuana use. Among minors, in fact, uh, some researchers have even found a negative association between medical marijuana laws and youth marijuana use. Uh, 2019 paper found a recreational marijuana legalization associated with an 8% decrease in the odds of any marijuana use among high school students and a 9% decrease in the odds of frequent marijuana use among high school students. It, it just, you know, sign after sign uh, that this war on drugs, while it may be popular and you may think that we can somehow prevail, we cannot. It just won't happen. Um, President Biden offered up his budget. He wants to save Medicare. So the only, uh, you know, the only tool in his toolbox is to raise taxes and that's what he intends to do. Uh, we'll give you some more details on that a little later in the morning. Uh, in fact, uh, we might uh, we might do that when we start talking about uh, the uh, the interest rate hikes that are coming. Two children are dead after a Democrat-backed law prohibits police from pursuing a suspect driving at 111 miles an hour. I haven't talked about this in a long time, but I know I've I've spoken about this in the past. Cities start writing laws that say, well, when somebody is driving, you know, somebody's being chased by law enforcement and the ride gets a little hairy. They start going too fast, driving too recklessly, that the police should just let them go. And I keep arguing that's a bad idea. Let the police follow them and pursue them as far as they have to. And if there is an accident involved, if somebody gets harmed... It is the responsibility of those people who were eluding the police, not the police. If if you let them go, you know, if, if there is a body in the trunk, uh, if somebody ends up being murdered because uh, the police didn't stop them, everybody would blame the police. It's all, no matter how you twist it, it's always the police who are at fault, whether they get away or they don't. It's time to give police a little bit of a break. Let them chase the bad guys because they are the bad guys. And if there is an accident, blame the bad guys, not the police. But this is apparently what has uh, declared two children dead after a law prohibits the police from pursuing a suspect driving at 111 miles an hour. You know, if he's driving that fast to get away, there's got to be a reason Washington State Sheriff sounded the alarm on a Democrat-backed law that bars police officers from certain vehicular chases after two children were tragically killed by a suspect driving more than 100 miles an hour. Snohomish uh, uh, County Sheriff joined uh, Fox uh, News to talk about why he believes the law is flawed and how the measures, uh, measures opposition is garnered bipartisan support for change as the crime surge continues. Let the cops chase the bad guys. Be better off at the end. 
Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 935, glad to have you with us, glad to be with you in Paris. In Paris, they are rioting. Uh, it is absolutely insane. I'll give you the details in a few. In the meantime, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is on board with us. Uh, Mr. Secretary, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Thank you for having me. So glad that spring is on the way in Missouri. So that's your big announcement today. Okay, I'll take it. Listen, um, I want to talk to you about uh, the uh, Second Amendment Preservation Act. Have you talked with the Attorney General? Do you know what his plans are uh, um, I haven't talked with the Attorney General since the decision came down. Um, I've talked to Attorney General Bailey before. I am fully satisfied and convinced that when that uh, decision came down, he activated a, a major portion of his office to fight it. Um, because of the leanings of that judge, there were several of us that had concerns that he would follow his own political leanings instead of the law. Uh, I am quite positive the state of Missouri will fully litigate this to the Supreme Court if necessary. And based on the plain reading of the language, we will win. Yeah, I, I, I fail to see how he came to that conclusion. Uh, he came to the conclusion he wanted to come to. He was not basing his conclusion on the facts. Yeah, clearly, uh, if other states are doing this uh, with marijuana, in fact, if the state of Missouri is doing this with marijuana, uh, it seems to me that uh, the same... Uh, application of the law should work for uh, firearms. Um, it, I, I really can't wait to see what uh, what unfolds there. Let's talk about Eric because uh, apparently we're withdrawing from Eric. We did withdraw from Eric. Um, it was a system to help us clean our voter rolls that we joined. There were problems and concerns with it, so I got a group of states together a year ago to work on fixing those problems so we could continue to be in ERIC. Those uh, suggestions were presented to the ERIC board and uh, brought to them for a vote back in February. They declined to make the necessary changes, so we left. Um, you know, some of the changes were as simple as ERIC strictly defining what could be done with data that was sent to ERIC so that the people of Missouri could know that their data was not being misused, and ERIC failed to do that. Um, so we're just on our own now. We're going to work this out ourselves. Well, we were on our own before uh, 2018. We've been here before, but actually I'm working with other states uh, to see how we can participate in ways that don't put the data of Missourians at risk uh, if we can do this without creating huge databases. We will continue to clean Missouri's voter rolls. Our voter rolls are cleaner than they ever have been. We will not stop doing that. Um, but we also need to protect the rights of Missourians, their data, and make sure that we're actually doing what we should be doing instead of trying to fill the voter rolls with people that have already said they don't want to vote. Uh, if you just turned the radio on, uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft on board with us on the Gary Nolan Show this morning. Uh, the state of the Missouri economy. You know, um, I think the Missouri economy is doing okay. Um, unfortunately, we are being pulled by the federal government. And with regard to that, we're doing well, but inflation is hitting everybody hard. And 
we need to do what we can in Missouri to make sure that we're not contributing to that with excess spending, but we also need to make sure that we're pushing the federal government to stop what they're doing on excess spending because that's where people are getting hurt. If you if you talk about the economy, people say, yeah, it's going well. But if you look at the everyday person, government's getting richer while families are getting poorer. It's um, every time the federal government makes a new hire, they have to create the money to pay them. So as the government grows, so goes inflation. We have a real problem where there are three parties, three real parties in this country. There's the party that says big government is always good. There's the party that says big government is good when I'm in charge. And then there's the really small group of people that realize that government is bad when it's big. It's a necessary evil at some size, but the bigger it is, the less freedom and choice and ability the people have to prosper. So we always want the smallest government possible. Yeah, like fire, you want to keep it in its proper place. Uh, government yes. needs to be literally uh, restrained to its minimums. Um, where are we at on protecting the family farm? Because I know we've chatted about this in the past. Really happy that the House was able to pass it over to the Senate. So it's been fully passed by the House. Now it just has to be taken up and passed by the Senate. As long as they don't change the language, all they have to do is pass it and it will go to the governor's desk. I don't think that will happen, unfortunately, before spring break, but we are continuing to push the Missouri Senate to make sure that we protect Missouri farmland, we protect Missouri farmers, we protect Missouri jobs, and we tell China that, frankly, the CCP is not wanted in the state of Missouri. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover here in the next couple of minutes before we uh, send you uh, back to do your job. And uh, one of the things that uh, is of concern, I know in Columbia, uh, where my home station is, uh, there has there is a, a crime epidemic. It seems like uh, murder rates have jumped considerably. What's going on? Um, we have a problem where we have certain prosecutors in the state that don't want to prosecute crimes. We have judges that sentence criminals, and then our probation and parole system just opens the door and lets them out. Uh, we need to understand that, yes, there are people that we can divert from imprisonment and, and make sure that they'll become productive members of society. There are other members that, if we they are imprisoned, they can be rehabilitated, not as large a percentage as we'd like. And we need to make sure that we're providing those services and putting them on the right track to not come back to jail or prison. And then there are other people that we need to understand they are evil uh, they are, are bad people, and they will continue to commit crimes when we let them go. And if we keep them in prison, we will make society safer for everyone else. Makes sense to me. Uh, finally, let's talk a little education. Uh, Missouri school, uh, how are the Missouri schools doing? Not well. Uh, we had uh, new news that came out. Uh, I've, at least some of it is due to covid but what we're seeing is we are continuing to pour more money into education and our children are not being well educated. This is a problem. It's been a problem for decades. Uh, the best way to deal with it is not only to give parents the money to make sure that their kids are going to where they can get a good education, 
but get rid of the silly strings that the federal government and at times DESE wants to put on where they're worried more about diversity, inclusion, and equity than they are about teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah, I'm, I am not a fan of government schools. Uh, I really wish that we could get the dollar to follow the scholar. I know you've been promoting that, and hopefully uh, the legislature will uh, will follow that plan because that would force, at the very least, it would force competition. It will, and it won't mean that you will love every school because just like with freedom of speech, freedom of speech means you can say what you want, but you're going to have to hear stuff you don't like. But that's a far better system than some government or some bureaucrat telling you what you can say. With education, if, if we have true freedom of education, you'll have sc- some schools you don't like, but at least you'll be able to make sure that your children or the people that you're concerned with have an ability to get a good education in a place that you can believe in. No doubt about it. Mr. Secretary, thank you for being on board with us this morning. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Thanks for having me, and have a great day. All right, you too. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, uh, if you just turned the radio on. I was talking earlier about law enforcement. Let them chase the bad guys. Uh, Bill says, I agree with you, Gary. Let the police do what needs to be done. Don't restrict them. Uh, And he says, uh, we don't need enforcement that are uh, hogtied. I totally agree with that. Uh, What's going on in France? Where do you hear the stupidity of this, the ignorance of this? And it's what happens when unions control everything. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 49 minutes after 9 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, before I get into what's going on in France, and uh, it's, it's typical, it's what unions do. They're screwing up the economy over there. Uh, I want to follow up on something I chatted with uh, Secretary Ashcroft over. Uh, apparently, there is uh, legislation that passed the House uh, dealing with education. Uh, and it passed uh, by a, a vote, uh, well, 82 to 67. Uh, and 24 Republicans apparently were not in favor of this bill. It was amended during the debate, according to the uh, Columbia Missourian, to place a permanent cap of 3% on student transfer volumes uh, and to uh, prohibit consideration of race in transfer acceptance. A uh, Democrat uh, from Ferguson said, uh, the picking of winners and losers will come to pass if open enrollment should become law. Uh, Democrats uh, are opposed to this, and they their argument is that uh, special needs kids, underserved, uh, underprivileged students, uh, and those with uh, from districts uh, uh, from uh, which students might depart, they, they they're afraid that uh, these these kids, the better students, are going to leave. The Republicans are saying, look, if you got a 3% uh, or more uh, of your school population that wants out, fix the problem. Uh, as opposed as I am to having the government take my money to put your kid through school, and I am opposed to that, I do believe that at least you should have the ability, the power to take that money and go to whatever school you choose. Republicans in support of the bill, writes the Columbia Missourian, spoke of the power of competition to improve outcomes, the durability and attractiveness of small schools, and the need for a new approach as more valuable than risk. Look, if you 
get the government out of this, uh, get them to stop regulating, get them completely out of education, the cost of education is going to go down. The quality is going to go up. It's just the way the marketplace works. It works for everything. The less government involvement, the less expensive a product or service is. And if you have competition, you're pouring the steam on when it comes to improving whatever that good or service is. If the public school that's down the street from you wants your money, then they're going to have to produce students that are capable of either going on to a higher degree or capable of getting a good job. Simple as that. Maybe when that happens, they'll have a little less time to spend on teaching your kid about transgenderism and, and how to have sex. Maybe they'll start concentrating on what it takes to win in the game of life. I, I really do hope this, uh, this passes. Uh, it's second only to getting rid of government involvement in education entirely. But we're going to move on because uh, this, what's going on in France, I'm sure you've read about this. Everybody is on strike. All these government unions are striking. Literally millions of people are protesting. Uh, and it's, the unions are really upset because apparently there's a, a, a problem with their defined retirement program. And they're running out of money. So they want to raise the retirement age. And it's not like they're uh, driving it up to 97 or something like that. The reform would raise the minimum pension age from 62 to 64 years old. It would make, uh, it, make it necessary for 43 years of work uh, by 2030 to get a full pension the government says the system is expected to dive into deficit within a decade. But the unions don't care. They want what they want, and they're willing to cripple the entire country to get it. It's just the way unions work. Uh, personally, and, and by the way, I'm not alone in this. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said the same thing. There shouldn't be unions for government workers. They just shouldn't exist because they get to blackmail uh, the entire state. More than a million demonstrators marched in cities and towns across France in a new round of protests and strikes against the government's plan to raise the retirement age to 64. Unions uh, are calling for more protests and warning that the situation could become explosive. Isn't that typical of unions? We don't get what we want. Things are going to get violent. 64? Good Lord. So th now that leaves me with a question. What's the right age to retire? Well, I, for me, it hasn't come yet. I, I'm actually, I don't know, I, I just don't, I can't see myself retired. It may happen. Something may change my mind, but. I just don't see, uh, I don't see myself sitting on a rocking chair uh, watching the world go by. But certainly working till you're 64 years old 
is not the end of the world. And what these people in France don't seem to understand and the unions don't care about is that people are living longer. So it's costing more. That's what happens. See, that's another problem with the government coming up with these defined retirement plans. And we've got them here in this country. What, what should happen is you get your money and you invest it where you want and then you retire when you choose. Get the government out of it. Uh, let's see, John says you are against capital punishment because someone that is innocent can be put to death, correct? Yes, correct. But you're okay with a blanket policy that the police can chase after people that are running away from them at high rates of speed. Yes, I don't see any inconsistency there, John. What if they're only driving away from them because they don't like the police? Well, when the lights turn on, John, you pull over. Is it worth letting innocent people die in wrecks that can be caused from driving at unsafe speeds? If that happens, John, it is the perpetrator. It's the guy who's running from the police that is responsible for that. It's not the police. The police are doing their job. And you can't tell me you just suddenly don't like the police so you don't get to pull over whenever they they turn on the lights. That's silly. Uh, let's see. Uh, where did it go here? Um, as long as those people are running from the cops, uh, it doesn't matter. Just chase them down at all costs. That's what you're saying. No offense, but that's stupid. John, it's not stupid. It's foolish to think that somebody would run from the police at a high rate of speed without having something to hide. When the lights turn on and that's the law, when the police pull up behind you, you pull over. Whether you like them or not, that's the law. A few years back, uh, he continues, there was that police officer that was killed in a wreck north of Columbia because he was chasing a motorcycle going at a high rate of speed. There was no reason for him to be chasing him uh, that fast. He died, and it was his fault. John, the guy on the motorcycle, was supposed to pull over. I don't know how to make it any more clear, John. That's the law. Whether you like the police or not, when they turn on the lights, you pull over. Kyle sent a message uh, for your information, Gary. The assistant chief of police... um, is bashing the Second Amendment preservation law. I uh, hope you'll talk about that ruling uh, that just happened. We just did, Kyle. We did talk about it. Uh, and we will talk about it a little bit more in the next uh, segment of the program. We invite you to join us, 874-9390, toll-free 800-529-5572. Uh, I, I have a great deal of respect for law enforcement, uh, including here in Columbia. But I think the Second Amendment Preservation Act has they have nothing to fear from it. And if the chief of police or the assistant chief of police want to come on the program, they're welcome to. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show 